Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Hey moms, many of your kiddos are heading back to school, and that is why for the next two episodes, we'll be talking about hearing and speech. I also wanted to share a resource with you. I know many of you are anxious about your kiddos returning to school. I know I was. And because of that, I devised a back-to-school plan for parents and kids. Check it out at backtoschoolplan.com. It'll also be in the show notes. Now for the episode. Hey, y'all. It's Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, educational psychologist, mental health therapist, parenting coach, and author. And we got another episode of the Mahogany Moms podcast. Today, we have Dr. Shayla Ferguson with us. She's an audiologist. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's all the things. So you all welcome Dr. Ferguson to the Mahogany Mamas podcast. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So tell us more about you, what you do, who you are. Okay, sure. Well, my name is Dr. Shayla Ferguson, and I am a licensed and certified audiologist. Some may ask, what is an audiologist? Yes. I, I actually get that question here and there. So an audiologist is an allied healthcare professional who assess and manages, habilitate, rehabilitate individuals with auditory and vestibular impairments. So basically what it is, is hearing imbalance disorders. So we assess them. We we determine what is the appropriate treatment for an individual who may have hearing impairment or who may have any vestibular or balance impairment. So pretty much in a nutshell, that is what an audiologist does. Then the next question I generally get is, why did you want to become an audiologist? <laughs> yes, tell us, about, tell, us about, tell us about that. How did you know what an audiologist, I mean, where did that even come from? <laughs> I know. So the funny thing about it is actually when I um, met my husband and, you know, you get into that stage where you're like, okay, well, what do you do? What do you do? And I was like, I'm an audiologist. His response was, as a child, did you grow up and say, when I grow up, I want to be an audiologist? <laughs> he was like, no one ever. You never hear anyone says any, anything about an audiologist. Right. And I was like, well, no, that's not how I worked at all. Actually, what happened was my sister had speech delay. So I may have been around nine or 10 at the time and she was evaluated for speech and she began speech therapy. And I had to go along with my mom and I saw the speech pathologist working with my sister and to me as a child, it just looks like they were playing games, playing games, looking at pictures, not knowing at the time what that was all about and mm -hmm. what, what was actually going on. So I thought, oh, this is a job. You just play with kids. You know, you get paid <laughs> to play with children. I was like, I can do this. So I, as I got older, my mom, one of her good friends was practicing as a speech pathologist. So I would just ask her different questions here and there. And so then um, once I went into undergrad, I majored in speech pathology. But once, I, but once I got into my senior year of undergrad, I had to take a few intro to audiology courses. And I found myself more interested in the hearing side than the speech side. So then I moved forward and pursued my, my master's degree in audiology and then continued on with my, my doctorate in audiology as well. And I absolutely love it. 
Okay, so you were studying to become a speech pathologist. And then what was it about what drew you to audiology? Because it's, it's so, it's just so rare. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing about it was as you, as I got into my senior year, I realized that in speech, it's tons of paperwork. So... <laughs> And this is just the honest, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of paperwork that was entailed in just with the, the you know, with the, the sessions and documenting and the paperwork that goes with it. With audiology, now there there is some paperwork here and there, but it's pretty much cut and dry. You perform an, a hearing exam, you have your audiogram, which is your graph where you you plot the thresholds and the responses, and then you're done. That's it you're done. Then you move on to your next patient. However, if you have a hearing aid patient, then that entails a little bit more paperwork, but not nearly as much as the reports um, that that speech therapists tend to have to do. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm really not liking all this paperwork, <laughs> but the hearing side, I was like, okay, I really enjoy. And when I, when I completed my master's program, and my first year into the profession, I was a dispensing audiologist where I performed hearing evals and fit and dispense hearing aids. Mm. And that was actually my, my main interest in the field was, was the fitting and dispensing side because it was just it was so rewarding to me to meet someone or meet a family member who's struggling just in restaurants or there's tension at home because the, the, the person is not hearing well or misunderstanding what's being said. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to fit them with hearing aids and just to see like this, this, this beam of light on their face or their spouse or family member where it's just brought some calm into their household just mm-hmm. because the person was struggling with just being able to hear their family member. So to be a part of that as far as just their in social environment, they're more, they're more social, they're more active and all of that just because, you know, Hey, I just, I couldn't hear. I wasn't understanding. I felt left out. So to be a part of that just really was very rewarding. And I, that's the part that I really, really enjoy. That's so interesting. So how would, you know, I, I often think about um, kids who are having difficulty hearing and maybe don't know how to communicate that, or even an adult, how would someone know? I mean, maybe you're starting to lose some of your hearing. How would someone know that they needed to come see you? Yes. So for children, if we go as young as an infant, generally what a parent may or can look out for, I should say, is do they startle? if they hear a loud noise, let's say if you mm-hmm. dropped something on the floor or just there was just a loud noise in the home, did, did the baby startle? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a very good indicator. Or once they get to the, around the age of six months, do they turn their head to the source of a sound? So if they hear a noise, are they turning in the direction of the sound? And then as they get a little bit older, closer to one, are they saying single words like mama, dad, 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 single words there? Are they trying to imitate sounds? 
So those are some things that a parent can look for uh, to see if they're noticing if their child's doing anything. So at that age, that, that's the, the key things you would, would want to look for in someone um, that's an infant or, uh, or, or around age one. As, as you get into school age, you may have children who you may notice them saying, huh, what a lot. Or, um, and then it's hard to tell because sometimes that's just what children do. Right. Huh, what? They're not listening. So it's just something to just to be mindful of like, okay, is this, do I notice them saying this when their favorite TV program is on or if they're doing something or is this something that's more constant where I'm constantly having to repeat myself or I'm constantly having to call their name. And then that's something that may be like, okay, well, hmm, maybe I need to just get, get the ears checked just in, just in case. Um, so those are some things to look out for with children. Um, as far as adults, with adults, just turning up the volume, TV volume, radio volume, um, misunderstanding what's been being said. Sometimes adults will tend to just isolate themselves because like, okay, I can't hear, I can't participate in the conversation. So I'll just sit back and not say or mm -hmm. do anything. So those, those are things. It's always generally the spouse or a family member who will notice <laughs> like, okay, you're, you're really having trouble hearing because sometimes that individual feels like, why is everyone mumbling? Right. Yeah. When everyone is not mumbling, but to them, it's everyone else. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is mumbling. I'm just fine. So, so that's, those are generally the signs that that's seen with adults as well. And so do you see, I don't know if this happens so much with kids, maybe as they get older, but what I've noticed with like with older adults, there's this stigma about wearing a hearing aid. I know when my grandmother started having difficulty with hearing, wearing a hearing aid was not on the top of her list. And I would imagine it was more about what the perception would be. It could be, you know, it could have had something to do with her aging as well. But do you see a lot of people not wanting to wear hearing aids because of, you know, stigma? Absolutely. So that is very, very common. Majority of the time when I was practicing as a dispensing audiologist, it was never the person with the hearing impairment that wanted to come to the appointment. Mm -hmm. Again, it was, the, it was the spouse, it was a family member, a, a child that's telling them, you need to get your hair checked. You need to get your hair checked. So they're not always willing to even go. And it's possible because of the stigma or I'm getting older or I don't want to have to wear this. I don't want people to look. But now with hearing aids, oh my goodness, they've come such a long way where they're not this big bulky device that's just hanging over your ear. They're making them really, they're really sleek. They're cosmetically appealing. Mm. They're now where you are able to, they have Bluetooth capabilities. Oh, wow. So you can, you can sync your hearing aid with your cell phone, your, your iPad, any Bluetooth device and, and be able to hear directly through the hearing aids. And wow. so now with all of these Bluetooth that we have that people wear anyway, Sometimes I would tell my patients, people will think it's just the Bluetooth device. I was like, people wear it. You know, they, you know, they wear these Bluetooth devices all the time and they've made it. So people are now, in my experience, were becoming more comfortable because they were sleek. They were lightweight. 
they're different colors. So you can match it to your hair color. You can blend it, you know, skin oh. tone. Or if you wanted to get real festive, you could go with a, you know, a pink or a red or, so there's so many different options and so many different colors. And so it made people feel a little more comfortable mm. knowing that, okay, this is not anything that just looks like this is just, you know, something that's just really sticking out there and everybody's looking at me. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. I didn't know that the hearing aids have Bluetooth capability. So I'm just like, wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so this is the question that I have to ask being that you don't hear many people talk about being an audiologist as an African-American, how many other audiologists are there? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually curious about it because I know when I graduated years ago, the African-American population as far as audiologists made up not even quite 1% of the population of audiologists. Mm. We've slowly increased. <laughs> I researched that oh, maybe about a week or so ago. Right now, we're right at about 2.5% oh. of the population. of So yeah, we... <laughs> It's not many of us. So anytime I meet someone or someone tell me, oh, I know someone who's interested in, in audiology, I'm all for it. I'm like, hey, here's my number. Give me a call if there's anything I can do to assist if you have questions. Because I know when I was in graduate school, I was the only one in our program. Mm. And so in our program, it was speech pathology and audiology class. And I was on the only one in the entire program. Wow. <laughs> so I, I know the challenges and things that someone, a student may face just being in our profession. And we make up such a small percentage of the profession. And so are there very many colleges and universities that offer, do all programs offer that offer speech or communication disorders, because that's what the major, that's, if you're, if you're going to speech pathology, your major is communication disorders. So does ideology fall under there? I know it did it where you went to school, but is that typical mm -hmm. in most universities? Well, no, not, not. So there, there are some universities that will have the communication disorders of the speech undergrad program, but they will not have the audiology. But there's, 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 it's, it's actually growing as huh. far as you're seeing more audiology, AUD, which is the doctor of audiology is the AUD. You're seeing more programs at different universities. I believe in Texas, I believe there are three. Ooh. Three universities. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking in my head, three that actually has the AUD program. That's not that many. No, it's not. Like I'm saying, it's some growth. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's some growth, but not that many. And I, I know in Louisiana, there's two that offer the AUD program is what I'm saying. They, that offers the doctor of audiology program. Yeah. Oh, okay. So say yeah. you want to become an audiologist. If you are a high school student going into college, what would your major need to be? communication disorders. So my undergrad was speech pathology. Okay. So generally that's the path that you would take. So you, your undergrad would, would be in speech path. Okay. And then you would move forward and then you continue on into a AUD program because now the entry level to practice as an audiologist is a doctorate. 
Oh, okay. So, so when I graduated, it was a master's level, master's entry level. But all of me and all of us who graduated at that time, we were grandfathered in, but just knowing that, okay, this entry level is going to be a doctorate. I am going to just go back to school so I can remain competitive in the field. So once an audiology student completes the graduate program, they would have had earned their doctorate. Okay. So how long is the program after undergrad? Four. Four years. Okay. Yes. Four years. Are the doctoral programs part of like the medical school or is it something separate? Well, I know for, for with my AUD program, it was part of their health science department. So it wasn't, it's not part of the medical school per se, but it's part of their healthcare health science program. And so this is my last question about audiology. Then we're going to (laughs) move into some other questions, but where would audiologists, where would you find a job? I mean, other than like we see the hearing aid clinics at certain places. So other than that, where else would you work? Okay. So there's so many different settings where an audiologist can work. Um, There's different types of audiologists. So you have your uh, clinical audiologists where they uh, would generally work in a hospital setting, an ear, nose, and throat physician's office, uh, private practice. You have pediatric audiologists. That's also you will find in a hospital setting that, that work only with the pediatric population. You have industrial audiologists who work at manufacturers. So you, you have OSHA guidelines and you have these employees who have to have baseline hearing exams and then have annual exams. Um, uh, so you have industrial audiologists as well. So those are some of the main different, uh, different settings for, for audiologists. And then you have your educational audiologists who work in the school districts. Wow. No, so I knew about, so I I was like, okay, educational, yes. Clinics, yes. I did not know about the industrial. I'm like, that is, that's so, that's just so interesting to me. And that's, I'm glad we're we're talking about this because there's so many different career paths, but so many that people don't know about or or have heard about. So that's definitely good thing to know in case you don't want to work in the clinic or you're not interested in the educational setting. There are other places where you can work as an audiologist. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So you're an audiologist, but you're also a mom. So how do you manage or how do you navigate being a mom and being a working mom? How do you navigate those things? Goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as mom, working moms know, it can definitely be challenging. I feel that once we set a routine mm-hmm. that generally helps, sometimes it's a challenge to get to that routine, but once you figure out something that just works well for you and your family and everyone is, is on that same track, then it just makes it, it makes it easier. I was definitely blessed and fortunate enough where I'm now able to work as a contract audiologist where my schedule is flexible. So I set, I set my hours, I set my days. So if I need to perhaps come in in the afternoon or only work in the morning, then I'm able to adjust my schedule accordingly. Prior to being a contract audiologist, I worked in a fast-paced ENT environment. And I just don't know how that would work. And at that, when I worked in the ENT environment, I didn't have any children. So I, I just 
don't know how that would have worked being in such a busy clinic environment and then, you know, still being mom and tending to their needs and, and what have you after work, just, you know, this insane schedule. So I would just say just having solid routine, that that's what I feel has just really helped us is, okay, well, we're doing this, we drop off to school, then we go, I go to work, pick up, homework <laughs> at this time, dinner at this time, okay, bath at this time, go to bed, then we do it all over again the next day. Mm-hmm. Yes, routine is definitely key. Yes. So what would you tell a mom based on your experience now that you wish someone would have told you? That things are not always going to be easy and to have to juggle so many different things to always take time for yourself. Mm-hmm wherever is your happy place. So if you're not, you know, when you're a busy mom, you can't, you can't always just go on this weekend trip or just go away for a week. And you know, that just, <laughs> just rarely happens if it even ever happens. Mm-hmm. So if whatever is your happy place, your place of peace, I know for me, sometimes I just like to go and just, just take a long hot bath mm-hmm. and I will just, lock the door and put on Pandora or something (laughs) like that. And that's just my moment for just, so take time for yourself. I would also like to tell moms, everything is going to be okay. Mm. Even though we have these days where it's just, you know, it's really chaotic and you're juggling so much and you, you have days of being frustrated or this or that, everything is going to be okay and that you are absolutely doing your best. You're Mm. doing your best. And sometimes as moms, we can just be so hard on ourselves. Yes. We can just be so hard on ourselves because you want to get it right all the time. And sometimes you will make a mistake and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes being okay, knowing that, okay, I've made this mistake. I've learned from this. I'm not going to beat myself. I'm not going to beat myself up for it because I'm doing the best that I know, the best that I can. And that moms just, just to take it in and say, you know what? You're doing a good job. And sometimes we don't hear that. And sometimes, sometimes we just want to hear that. I'll just tell a quick story. I had taken my my son to an urgent care for something that he was dealing with. And so the PA told me, you're a good mom. Hmm. And I just started crying (laughs) (laughs) because it's like, you're trying so hard, but something which may have been something just simple, a simple comment to her, Mm -hmm. to me, it just meant so much because it's like, that's what you want to, that's what you're striving to be. That's what you want. You want to get it right. So to just have a complete stranger to tell you, you're a good mom, you know, that really touched me. So to the moms out there, to those who who will be moms and, and will experience some of these things, just know that things are going to be great. Things are going to work out well, and you're going to do an amazing job. That is awesome. I love that. So if there is a mom who has, who maybe wants to know for herself or wants to know how to become an audiologist or has a child that wants to become an audiologist or just something that you said resonated with them, how can they find you? 
Oh, absolutely. Yes. So they can find me on Facebook under Shayla Simon Ferguson, or they can also email me at HoustonHearing at gmail.com. Again, it's HoustonHearing at gmail.com. And I would be happy to answer any questions. If anyone who is interested or knows someone who may be interested in the field, I would be more than happy to answer any questions. Like I said, we make up a small percentage of the profession. So anytime we have someone that's interested, I'm just super excited about that. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and then telling us about your mom, you know, challenges and struggles and offering some advice. Cause I definitely know that moms sometimes forget that you're doing your best and that you're a good mom. You need yes. that, that reinforcement, <laughs> right? You need that because you don't get it that often. Right. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. Moms, don't forget to text mom to one 638 5442 Again, text MOM M-O-M, to 1-833-638-5442 to let us know what platform you spend the majority of your time on. We want to connect with you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.